Hello and welcome to the Corny and Lind Legal Chatter Podcast, where we discuss different but likely scenarios, provide general legal information, and get to know our lawyers. Please note that this podcast series does not provide or intends to provide legal advice. Welcome everyone again to the first Quinine Lind podcast for 2020. Happy New Year. Woo, happy New Year. Happy New Year indeed, guys. And uh, it's James Tan again, the director at Coining Lynn Lawyers, and I'm here today with uh, Judith Mendes, Hello. a law clerk, and previously um, spoke on episode two. Uh, and I'm also here with Joseph Borgia-Rees, who is a lawyer at Coining Lynn. Um, and today, uh, well, before we go into our topic, Joseph, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself as the only person in the room who hasn't really introduced <laughs> himself to the podcast. But tell us a little bit about who you are, uh, what brought you into the law. Sure um, thing. What, what keeps you in the law? Yeah, sure thing, James. I mean, I'd be happy to. I mean, I, um, I graduated from uh, law school in uh, 2015. Um, but I suppose before talking about that, I should probably go into um, you know what got me into law school in the first place, mm-hmm. as you were talking about. I mean, I'll probably wax a little bit philosophical here. Um, it was classic Joseph style, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Judith. Um, I mean, it was predominantly you know the a curiosity really that got me into law school. It was more curiosity about um, the interconnectedness of the different sectors of society mm-hmm. and you know the the common sort of thread that, that bound it all together and you know in our contemporary society um, you look at the court of law the courts of law um, first you want to the rule of law and everything and you find that um, you know that that is a common thread that sort of um, operates as a um, a network point essentially of the different sectors of society. So it was a generally a curiosity about that that really got me into the study of law. Mm. Um, and I guess it was that same sort of curiosity. Um, and I guess you can throw in a little bit of a, a sense of justice and all that stuff as well um, that sort of got me through law school. And um, yeah, so here I am today in um, commercial litigation here at Cornell Lynn Lawyers. Yeah, I hear a lot about. Um Justice being a great motivator for people to enter law school and graduate <laughs> as lawyers. I've never have heard curiosity <laughs> and, uh, and a fascination with uh, social structures being mm. the motivator for uh, someone entering law school. <laughs> That's fascinating, Joseph. Um, Thanks, James. Yeah. Well, today's topic uh, it would probably have relation to a different kind of network and different kind of mm. social structure. Mm. Uh, and it's an emerging area that is... Uh, um, cyber law, cyber security, uh, data, data protection, information, mm-hmm. um, and just the online world. And it's something that um, I find churches are having to engage more in. Um, one, as a way of communicating with uh, its congregation members, uh, particularly amongst um, young people, youth groups, um, but also as a way of getting their message out there. And in a world which is rife with political, social issues, 
um, and all the all the interesting things and interconnectedness which you talk about, Joseph, <laughs> uh, and the human rights issues which you're fascinated with, Judith. Um, it, it, there's plenty for a church to be invo- involved in um, in social media, um, and and also to be at risk in with mm. in relation to social media. So, Judith, from your perspective as a, as someone who's been involved with youth leadership and church leadership. Uh, just what are some of the issues you see which uh, churches are finding themselves in uh, when it comes to the use of social media? Again, James, yes. So social media can be a great tool, but it can also be a mouthpiece for people um, to talk negatively about um, various things, to expose opinions that don't accurately reflect the church's opinions. Because when you're talking via church, you need to be speaking about the church's viewpoint and that can so easily turn into a gray area between yours and the church's and that I guess is just one example um, of how social media can be detrimentally used. Yeah it's really funny because um, the church itself may not have any control over uh, the person's publishing as well. I mean these um, uh, publications could be coming from um, a congregation member that identifies themselves um, as a member of the church, mm. even though they may not technically be yeah. or legally be a member of the church or yeah. part of the uh, leadership team, yeah. they could be expressing their views um, and holding themselves out as uh, expressing views that are affiliated with the church. Yeah. Um, Joseph, from your perspective as a commercial litigator, what are mm. what are some of the, the you know the social media issues that are arising these days that are affiliated with yeah associations or churches or well, I mean, I guess from you know a, a practice standpoint, um, what you find with the um, with the growth in prominence of social media in our day to day lives is um, uh, with as Judith um, talked about the um, the more substantial platform to express a multitude of viewpoints and opinions. You have, it seems, a, a risk multiplier, so to speak, of um, potential um, potentially defamatory imputations, um, aspects like that, and all sorts of implications um, uh, that it also carries in the discrimination arena. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I suppose that you know, in answer to your question, James, I think that um, you know, social media's um, increased prominence. Um, as far as its uh, its relation to legal practice, um, I'd say that you know there's there's definitely an increase in um, in the potential risks and the potential um, uh, scope of damage that um, can arise as a result of um, representations that are made via social media. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I was reading a journal article today, and and someone was talking about. Uh, data going up there for eternity. Mm. <laughs> you know, Christians talk about it, yep. living yeah. it, uh, living internally. But you know, once something goes up on the internet, um, right. it's published on the internet. Um, uh, it, you know, it may never, uh, it may never be removed. Yeah. yeah. Um, or at least it would be great uh, removed with great difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because a lot of the publishers, or you know, for example, Google or. Twitter or uh, who who are the common platforms publishing this material, mm-hmm. um, 
to be able to flag any sort of uh, complaint with them, you have to contact their office, which is in Salt Lake City yeah. you know, somewhere. And I mean, in, yeah, there's a lot to be said about um, you know the the fact that um, you've got so many of the platforms essentially um, uh, controlled by private sector entities mm. as opposed to um, you know being in the venue of the pri- uh, the public sector. That complicates proceedings, I think, a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, not to say anyone's going to be suing a, a major organization, <laughs> yeah. like Facebook or Twitter, <laughs> oh, right. as a result of this podcast. Of but, yeah. um, but I think it's certainly it's something for. So I think certainly the, yeah. it, we see that because it's so easy to get stuff up there, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and it's so difficult to get stuff taken down with yeah. some degree of permanence. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, people may be, uh, may, people may be finding members of their church just publishing views mm-hmm. or, yeah. um, or opinions or comments that, or even confidential information mm-hmm. uh, that may not be checked or uh, reviewed accuracy or yep. or even reflecting uh, the church's ethos mm-hmm. yeah um, and that becomes issues for uh, organizations organizations, organizational yeah. issues as well and that biggest advantage of reach that you were talking about earlier mm-hmm. can become the biggest disadvantage because once something's up there yeah. can't, it's harder to retract a statement yeah um, everything leaves a digital footprint yeah. in yeah. saying that um, Joseph what are some questions that either a church congregation member themselves or a church leader can ask themselves before publishing to avoid these kind of legal risks and legal pitfalls? I suppose that, yeah, you know, you can link it to what we were just talking about earlier in that, um, you know, uh, there's something to be said about uh, organizational consistency. So, you know, it's, it's a matter of, um, you know, considering whether this is in fact in line with um, the organization's ethos and mm. principles. Uh, I think it's also important, uh, um, curiously, to make sure that there is uh, there are open lines of communication between your various segments of the organization mm. to ensure that you know there is a consistency in terms of the messages that are being put forward, and also to sort of uh, ensure that ideas are appropriately being balanced uh, to ensure mm. that you know the risks of publishing something that isn't appropriately thought of. Um, is mitigated, um, right. you know, some aspects like that. I think from a practical standpoint. Yeah, I think I think certainly a lot of churches have um, finding or have have developed um, social media policies and responsible use policies. Mm. It's not too different to how uh, a corporate organization um, would uh, or a uh, large school mm. uh, would expect and have expectations for its teachers and staff members yep. mm. to have um, reasonable and appropriate use of its information technology and social media. Mm. Uh, I think it's it's something that is inc- that that many organizations are finding it increasingly difficult yeah. to police yeah. um, because uh, there um, and I think it is a real evolving area of law but um, some, uh, for example, a staff member in a school may be using their uh, social media and, and sort of treating it as their own mm. um, space, but that may not be reflective mm. of the um, the organization as well. Yeah. And you know, if we if if this podcast is marketed to Christian circles, well, uh, we've seen some very uh, public displays of those sort of issues mm. um, that where where someone has expressed. Um, a view that's inconsistent with the employer's view oh, in 2019 certainly mm. um, 
it has created massive headlines and has also um, what I consider partially uh, led to this new religious discrimination bill which is being given uh, considered thought um, and of course we're not uh, we're not here to express any political or religious <laughs> views on this podcast and that's not a uh, matter for this podcast yeah. but certainly it's uh, it's been an interesting uh, development to watch as social media has and and those boundaries between personal and professional have really blurred yeah. um, and created all sorts of flow and difficulties for um, uh, an employer or, for example, a church that's associated with that person. Yeah, and I think it, um, you know, it, it really highlights also the necessity of um, focusing on um, the different hats that a person wears, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, while, while perhaps... Um, Prior to the um, the prominence of social media, um, it was um, a little bit easier to distinguish between <clears throat> when you should wear your professional hat and when you can, you know, take that off and put on your personal hat. Um, with the um, the twenty four seven nature of social media, um, it's almost like um, that that line has been blurred in terms of um, when you can take that one particular hat off and put on another hat. Yes. Um, it's almost like, um, you know, you're, you're, you're required to be mindful of um, keeping one particular, um, maybe collective hat on, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that kind of makes yeah. sense, if yeah. that analogy yeah, it's certainly, is helpful. And certainly <laughs> it's, uh, it creates difficulty as well for, um, for you know, an employer or a church organization as mm-hmm. to what steps they can take against a volunteer who is published something, mm. you know, p- mm. been been out for a crazy night and, and published um, photographs that are inconsistent with um, uh, with with the views and uh, of the church, for example. Yeah. yeah, and perhaps that person has been, um, you know, given the task of handling the church's social media pages. Yeah, um, and then <laughs> yeah, you know, it has all sorts of reputational <laughs> effects and on the church's page. I and mean, and you know uh, that. This religious discrimination um, or general discrimination issues we talk about mm-hmm. um, can cut both ways. So, mm-hmm. for example, someone who is uh, perhaps publicly expressed a sexuality view mm-hmm. um, that's inconsistent with the church that they're affiliated at, or mm-hmm. yeah. they may have a, relig- uh, a significant leadership view. Then, mm-hmm. um, if the church takes a step against that volunteer, yeah. that's potentially discriminatory there. Yeah. Right. So it creates that, as you mentioned earlier, Joseph, that really difficult um, issue of discrimination. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but so we haven't really touched on defamation yet, which, is, <laughs> which I'd be interested to hear your views about, Joseph. Oh, certainly. I mean, as I was mentioning before, you know, it's um, social media, I think, um, the best way to put it is that it's a, it's a, def- it's a major risk multiplier. Mm-hmm. Um, in the defamation arena, because um, prior to the advent of social media, you could um, you could sort of neatly um, point to publications such as letters or um, those well, types the newspaper, of newspaper. You know, if someone's yeah. if yeah. Fairfax or, or I believe those are quite a significant case. Yeah. Well, back where Fairfax Mom Media published a, mm-hmm. um, an article which was held to be defamatory. Yeah, um, and that had probably a more contained yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. circle Radius. of publication. Because it's based on, you know, the readership of that particular yeah, publication. The audience mm. there. Whereas um, you're looking at um, a global cyberspace, yeah. um, which, you know, while... Um, which also has 
uh, as we talked about earlier, data eternity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Data eternity. That's right. I mean, until the point that something's deleted, it's there forever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of, you know, defamation in that arena, it's, it's definitely a risk multiplier because um, you don't know um, just how much, uh, how much reach a particular publication mm. is going to see. Um, and you can't really control it given the, um, the nature of, you know, your platforms like Facebook and Twitter, especially Twitter, I think. Mm. Mm. Because with Twitter, you know, you've got rapid-fire publications all over the place. It's designed to be rapid-fire. It's designed well. to be rapid-fire, yeah. exactly. And I mean, um, and you know, the people that use it, um, I, I, I honestly doubt that, you know, you, lo you look at the publications that people make on Twitter and mm. it's, it's obviously not as um, well thought out as you'd find on, say, you know, a Facebook post or something to that well, effect. If, if. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's comparatively. Yes. Yeah. Comparatively. I mean, on a, on a yeah, broad brush scale. You have slightly more than 140 <laughs> characters to express yeah. a view, I guess. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting to, to sort of observe that um, there's such a great scope of publication with social media. It's just, um, as we were talking about with um, newspapers, that the, the scope of publication would be limited perhaps to that readership. Mm. But with social media, it would go beyond that. You know, you're looking at multiple publications because, you know, your, your usual news sources have their own channels, essentially. And, you know, stuff can spread like wildfire. I mean, the key word these days is viral or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. And certainly, uh, well, I mean, I've certainly seen the two extremes of um, cases mm. uh, relating to defamation on social media. I've seen the ones which have, held, which have been held to be really, you know, really trivial and contained. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, uh, someone embroiled within a family dispute decides to go write an angry message on someone's Facebook wall. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's clearly taken out of context, trivial, and um, uh, uh, clearly defamatory, but mm -hmm. because um, it was apparent that the publication was very narrow, yeah. the um, uh, damages awarded were pretty low. Yeah. But then you see the other cases as well where Absolutely. Uh, something goes up and becomes impossible to take down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, not only that, you know, there's there's lots of cases there which um, which deal substantially in um, the damage that is suffered to professional reputation sometimes, mm. you know, as a result of publications mm. that are put up on social media. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to see just how um, substantial the scope is yeah. of um, those publications yeah. and so how damaging yeah. it can be. Yeah, something... You know, else I, I've seen um, become quite a bit of an issue, and again this comes uh, with a focus on churches, um, is the publication of um, information that's uh, personal, mm. um, and, and that sort of publication is done without um, compliance with the Australian privacy principles, for example. Mm. So, you know, <laughs> churches love to um, promote their events. Yeah, certainly. You know, promote as they their events as, 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 yeah. as yeah. they should. As it's a vital part of, um, you know, shining shining the light on yeah. being a city in the hill and um, and and talking about the good work um, that uh, that the community that need, that's happening in the community mm. and and everyone should be a part of. Yeah, yeah. It's um, strengthening your yeah. connection with your community. That's right, and then that's a very important role for a church to play. But I think something that gets missed with how easy it is for information to be published online is mm. confidential information yes. um, and I think people of this day and age are being more guarded about their um, 
uh, you know, photographs being yeah, taken on, being taken, yeah. being yep. republished and reposted and being used for marketing purposes. Mm. Mm. Um, and there's a lot in the Privacy Act and the Australian Privacy Principles which govern how personal information is supposed to be used and yep. including where it's to be used for marketing as well. Mm. Um, and uh, I expect that uh, with smaller churches who uh, may be more family orientated, um, they may be more likely to get away with it than the larger organizations right. that, that should be aware of these sort of issues. Mm. Um, but I think it's still uh, it, it's still something that probably Australia is catching up on. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of you know we, we had a discussion earlier today about invasion of piracy and yeah, perhaps um, right. and there's more that uh, more that could be, that could be happening in Australia but certainly um, the Privacy Act and you and the Australian privacy principles which came into effect a couple of years mm. ago are out there um, and in and, and do govern um, the, uh, the the use of information uh, private information uh, which churches would come into and and that's also just that also goes on to um, a higher bar where it's sensitive information mm. and a lot of churches Certainly. deal with counseling you know information that's being disclosed to the yeah. pastor which are highly sensitive highly confidential um, uh, and and, perhaps and, at the highest level of confidentiality mm, and sensitivity. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. And perhaps, you know. Yeah. But then you've, you've got all sorts of other issues that arise with that. Mm. Um, yeah. Let's take that simple example of a photograph. Yeah. Um, you have a church event, yeah. you're taking photos. Surely this doesn't mean that any time you have a Sunday service you need to gain the individual consent of every single congregation member. What is something that churches should do? Is it just a broad consent I need or what does that look like well I think it's uh it's privacy policy first of all mm. um, and and that's something which the Australian privacy principles I think it's APP one mm. um, requires many organizations to have and you know, there, there are thresholds where um, you uh, which you have to meet to be able to be required to have a privacy policy yeah. mm. uh, which I consider uh, not all churches would necessarily meet. But with that said, um, w regardless of whether or not you uh, you hit the criteria for being required to have a privacy policy, it's something helpful to think about. Mm. And just to helpful to think about, well, this is how we're going to be responsible um, with the information that's collected, with the photographs that are collected, yeah. with the, with um, with you know the, the children's uh, dates of birth that we that mm. we collect because they're part of our Sunday school, uh, with with the photographs of our children that we use to market our mm. activities. Yeah, um, certainly talent release forms would be very yes. helpful in that regard. Right. Yeah, um, you know, just to set out um, how it's going to be used so that the people who are getting um, photos taken of them understand how it's going to be used. And yeah. certainly, um, I think yeah, really where where probably a church is most at risk of coming under criticism for this is in the Sunday school and the Sunday school events where um, you know, children are being photographed, um, young vulnerable people are being photographed, um, and their likeness is being used to promote uh, organizations. So certainly, um, uh, you know, how is, uh, how is uh, the, um, uh, the photographs being collected? Mm. Um, uh, Parents releasing the information or consenting to that mm. because you know this child may be four may have no That's no right. idea precisely um, and and just obtaining the appropriate consent and being responsible because these are young people and mm. you know the 
Um, again, it's it's about being safe online, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, creating a community of, of safety for these young children who may have no idea, but their photographs are going online. Yeah. And, yeah. and it stays up there once it's up there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they could be looking back at it 10 to 20 years from now. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. And there are implications to that. That's yeah. right, that's right. And, and I think, uh, again, we... And this is the this is a slightly paranoid, cynical lawyer in me, <laughs> but working in family law and seeing um, the number of um, uh, protection orders and domestic violence orders that I've seen, um, and people from you know, uh, and being made against people who you don't expect uh, mm. to be made uh, to have a protection order made against them, uh, there's a lot to be said for churches to be more considerate um, or mm. considered, I guess. Of uh, the safety of right. children, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, kids out there who, um, uh, who for very appropriate reasons, um, the mother or the father may not want the other partner to know that they're mm-hmm. attending this particular church. Right, yeah. right. and you know, and it's very easy to run a Google image search yeah. on this one child and yeah. oh. There you go. Yeah, he's, he he's attending that particular church. Yeah. There you've got your location, you've got your name, that's you've got right. whatever other details there are. Yeah. That's right. So uh, definitely, I think, as you said, Joseph, a parent, uh, a release form. Mm. It's very appropriate and, and obtaining consents from mm. the right people. Mm. Um, certainly, you know, if you've got your your key players in the church, um, mm. five generations of churchgoers <laughs> that have, that and they and their grandchild is now serving diligently in with the collecting bucket in Sunday school, <laughs> then, you know, um, that's the person you want to go to to get your um, promotional material, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just definitely be, uh, just being more mindful. That's right. I think that's the major takeaway of um, the increased prominence of social media. I think that there's a, an added necessity of being mindful mm. from an organizational standpoint and from an individual standpoint. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that that probably um, takes us to the end of this. I think the key point, as you said, Joseph, to wrap it all up, is being mindful. Mm. Being mindful of what what your leaders um, within the church um, uh, can post or what they should be expected to, to post. Being mindful of what's appropriate. How um, this reflects on my yeah, church. That's right. I mean, there's a whole other kettle of fish for whether you can take down, uh, you can ask someone to take down uh, a post and we're not going to go anywhere near yeah. that today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, being mindful, of, <laughs> but being mindful of the information that's collected as well. Yeah. Um, that's a very good point. Um, but yeah, I think that brings our first uh, podcast for 2022. Fantastic. Thanks, Joseph. Thanks, Thanks, Joseph. Thanks, James and Judith. Thank you for listening to the Corny and Lind Legal Chatter Podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode of Corny and Lind Legal Chatter. If you require specific legal advice for your situation, contact us directly on 0732520011 or go to www.cornyandlind.com.au forward slash contact.